Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. George's Run and Soft, the official podcast of the Church of St. George the Martyr in Tailstrip, alongside the chaperones of St. Mark and St. Monica's. Yes, we still care about you, St. Mark and St. Monica's. Um, even Father Rodney visited you the other day, which was great uh, for you. Um, this is the sixth Sunday after the Epiphany. We are still inside the Sermon on the Mount, which I, I think is the most important piece of the gospel because it gives you the full canon of like what is Jesus's philosophy and this week's reading Matthew 5 verses 21 to 37 like captures like the most radical part of that and I believe it's been something that's been misinterpreted over time because upon reading and preparing for this episode um, I picked up a few things that, that that I don't think we've touched on before and I will as always be exploring it with my co-host, the Archdeacon Rodney Whiteman. How are you today, sir? Hi, Lindsay. I'm doing okay. Thank you very much for asking. I trust that you and the listeners and, and participants are also well. Uh, being a hectic um, two weeks regarding um, preparations for and, ho- and, and, and leading vestry meetings, it's that time of the year when we're looking at the financial past and other reports about what happened in 2022. And then as we sort of have to focus on uh, electing leaders uh, for the next season of the church's life, mm-hmm. always difficult tasks and vestry is challenging. Uh, you know, I had a very unique experience at St. Mark's because um, we had to postpone and, and, and continue uh, on Wednesday to complete the work of vestry, but I must be, I'm very, I'm humbled by the participation, uh, even in the weekday, I'm humbled by the collaboration, even under difficult circumstances in the reflection of last year, um, and also the willingness for people to step up, to step forward. Um, I was, I'm always enthused at St. Mark's, the list nomination list of people willing to stand for for chapel wardens is always a uniquely longer list than even the ones that are nominated for the council. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was a very unique experience. I, 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 I've, had, I, I've, I've never, I didn't have any case study to go back to and say, this is how you do a continuation. But it was a very, very important experience and I value this and I'm, as I'm saying, humble before God the people who really made things work uh, at the end of the day. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. As long as their the intentions are pure, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I am happy. Uh, it's, it's, it's great. It, it, it's always like that paradox of, of in a smaller community, you'll have a lot more input from the community yeah. and a lot more ideas of leadership. Um, yeah. And people aspiring to to kind of push those ideas forward, it's especially like when when you when you're working within like lower income kind of neighborhoods as well, um, communities. Uh, it's it, it's good to see uh, participation. Obviously, we've had um, democratic participation again in the country this week. It was the state of the nation address. Um, I think the president handled it very well. Uh, it's it's one of those things where. I, I I participate a lot on like social media and I I, I try and um, discern what the president is saying and like pick up on like the important points because not a lot of a lot of people participate because it's the thing, um, but it's more to like 
pick at at issues rather than actually listening to it. Um, so I like to highlight um, the important things that are being said. And it was was interesting that I could see the trajectory going into the declaration of the state of 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 disaster uh, for the electricity sector, which is something that the opposition parties called for in November last year um, quite loudly. Uh, there is evidence. <laughs> there, there are receipts. Um, so it's hilarious that the next day the DA are like, oh, we're going to take the president to court because he did the thing that we asked him to. <laughs> <laughs> That's politics for you, isn't it? <laughs> And yeah, it was. I think it was Federal Hafferty who was just like spent most of yesterday, just like bringing up old tweets from like John Stearnason when he was explaining what they were asking for with the state of disaster and exactly what is happening now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but now they're upset because I don't know. Maybe the the president didn't give them um, credit for it. But anyway, yeah, like uh, the country's in a mess. Um, it's uh, election year next year, so. Cyril obviously made all the the, the good noises. Um, I, I, I appreciate that he took the time to not celebrate any victories um, over the last year because there haven't been many. Um, but he really addressed the issues um, within like the electricity sector, within education, within employment, um, also some concessions for businesses, uh, which, which, which is great. It, it was a it was a good speech. And I love the fact that he never looked at his notes. Yeah. So he never looked at his notes. He was always looking at the teleprompters. Um, so it looked like he was engaging the audience the, the entire time, which is an important from a public speaking perspective, um, like that kind of body language, that kind of positive interaction um, also helped elevate his speech a little um but yeah it, it was like a it was a master class in crisis management in public speaking i think i think Cyril does have that sense in which he presents himself as a people's person mm. in public speaking uh, to engage i think he wants to speak past the hurdle of opposition in his own, because that's been 2022's thing, but also opposition from the other side. And he wants, really, he wants the people to hear him as their leader, uh, I suppose, a servant leader kind of way of leading mm -hmm. uh, to the grassroots where he knows um, people, people would look at him, but through the lenses of the criticisms that he receives in his yeah. own party and so on. And so making your voice known to the people who, at the end of the day, really matter um, more than all of those that cry foul, either from your own side or from, um, from um, the opposition. However, I don't really understand when but I do understand from the from a church's perspective, you have various roles or um, in our case ministries that fulfill. And when when these ministries are looked at as power bases, and you you so humble before you 
you were chosen to go into that and then suddenly the, 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 your mindset changes your your uh, the, the focus or the themes that you spoke before mm. are differently said in this new position because power power positions itself doesn't change you you need to you need or you want to change because power is such a liquor thing yeah to, to, to have you know uh, um, so now so now one one of the things that one does would be to say yes our Lord what, what is he if, if Sona is the state of the nation of South Africa in current time is the Sermon on the Mount not just reflecting on what's going on in the world, the state of the world address, but also the giving us of the kingdom of God. Uh, so you have, as it were, the the, the reflection on the on the world uh, and the, the 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 hope of the kingdom that can change the world for the better. So you have here these two inverted commas speeches of the state of people's lives, the state of people's spiritual well-being of, I mean, you're talking to an oppressed people, Jesus was, uh, both on the religious platform and on uh, the, um, the, 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 the spiritual, uh, sorry, the, 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 the social, socio-economic and political platforms. And, um, this is my. I'm. I'm. I'm sort of sitting. I'm sort of taking over your your place now and sit, sitting oh, no. and saying. Therefore, out of all of this, does that choice always come before us, life or death? Mm. So does does Sona give us life, or does it continue to reek of death? Yeah, but it's it's one of those those tricky. Um, ones especially this week because like the, the the readings start with the book of deuteronomy chapter 30 verses 15 to 20 today i'm giving you a choice between good and evil between life and death if you obey the commandments of the lord your god which i give to you today if you love him obey him and keep all his laws then you will prosper and become a nation of many people so then you fast forward a couple of hundred years um and you get to the Sermon on the Mount, and here you have a Jesus, and if you believe it, um, God walking among you, um, and the person you associate when you say Lord, because like people break that a little bit, where like God is God and like Jesus is the Lord, that sort of thing. I've I've seen that that kind of thing happen before, and yeah, it starts off with like verse twenty one goes. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with your brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has done something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled with your brother or sister and then come offer your gift. And then it like just continues. 
and it's like adultery that was said, you shall not commit it. So it's like breaking down all of the commandments, except for the first two, which Jesus has already positioned as um, the, the only two that, that are important, and then like the, the new commandment. And it's like this complete subversion, because speaking into a majority Jewish audience, or at least um, Hebrew audience, these are the words they live by, you know, like Deuteronomy is one of the five books of Moses, you know, mm-hmm. like this is like the word of God passed down through generations and generations through Torah. Um, and now it's like, oh, <laughs> there's a different way to kind of understand this now. Like this dude, uh, was he calling himself the son of God at this point? Uh, uh, well, he was engaged in chapter four mm. with the with the devil. So the devil questioned his identity. Yeah. Um, and he was he was using the scriptures of the of the Torah and the prophets mm-hmm. to to say that what was his main view in the bapt and be pre- previous to the to the to the to the to the wilderness experience, the baptism, where he is identified as the one in whom God is pleased. This is my son with whom I'm pleased. Yeah. He goes yeah. into the to chapter four, having to face this challenge. Uh, if you are the son of God, so the questioning of his identity uh, on the earth, then he comes and he speaks the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. So, and what he, he just he just came through through that. Was he identifying himself yet? No, he has been identified by the Father, mm-hmm. and now he seeks to. And so, what was the emphasis of the of the baptism? Was obedience. To the Father, what was the emphasis of 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 the of the what could be possible emphasis of the temptation in the wilderness? His faithfulness to God. Like the last one was, "You shall worship no other God." You know, you yeah. that that so that worship is is the emphasis of obedience. And now, does he talk about obedient living in relation to God through the Sermon on the Mount? Because look, the law. Uh, as you said, he's, he's looking at themes in the in the law of Moses, um, and 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 giving it. I, I think there's a level of the little the little reading of that, and he's giving a more in depth understanding. Remember the previous section that we dealt with. He said, "I came not to abolish the law and the prophets." So now he's beginning to show that he's taking. A level, the, the, the level of understanding and interpretation and therefore response to living, what that law could actually mean, in what, in what part of our relationships does murder happen? Does it only happen when I shoot you and you're dead or, or when I speak to you or the way I feel about you? Hmm. And, and so he takes it to that level where he's talking about, you know, um, a call to reconciled living. To mm-hmm. truthful living, to a way of living in in an in, uh, in with integrity towards each other, and to yeah. Well, it's interesting. Like yesterday, um, in in uh, I don't know what it's called now. I think it's life sciences, life orientation. I forget. Guidance. <laughs> yeah. life orientation. I think it is. Yeah, um, and this life sciences too. Yeah. So so um, 
my daughter's dealing with in the class they're dealing with rape or they dealt with rape this week so we were asked uh, she was asked last night like what is rape and then she described it as like the violent version of it so it's like you're walking down a road and someone like assaults you and then thing is you and then like to make her understand that it happens every time that you do not give consent so like even within marriages within relationships um if one party doesn't give consent to the coaches then it's it's right you know yeah. Yeah. so it, in in a similar way uh, uh, to to your point many of these things so the adultery the murder the those things those those extreme readings of the gospel or or, or at least of of the commandments the 10 commandments those absolute statements in the 10 commandments are now broken down and it's like they are gateways to those things they are like microaggressions that are as bad as that so it's like cheating adultery the moment you look at another person um that's not your partner with those thoughts and and, and he says here um but i say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart and then it's like i i don't i, I was really reflecting on this I was, i was really reading through this and i was like he's not and i was looking at other interpretations as well and i don't think that the term hell is a a true interpretation of what was recorded you know because it it kind of it kind of especially when when it like goes into the divorce thing where anyone who divorces his wife except on the ground of unchastity causes her to commit adultery and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery i don't think these should be interpreted as they have been as like like i i know people who refuse to get divorced because of this line and and my my argument is always he's saying to me what what i understand from this is that there's there's a gradient you know and everything isn't that bad so it's like either you're going to take it to the most extreme and then you have to like and i love this you have to like love with it in its most extreme so it's like i have hard principles that i love by and it's like like i won't cheat on my wife but now it's like what's the gray area of that mm. so it's like i'm not going to put myself in a situation where i'm even emotionally being adulterous you know yeah um confiding in somebody else like having that kind of relationship so it's like then i have to in myself have a different relationship that i have with my wife to what i have with everybody else that i interact with who i interact with because even with like friends um there could be things that you share there that you're not sharing at home 
you know. So then you have to be completely transparent. And like when you when you take it to those kinds of extremes, then you you start to see how ridiculous it is to like say don't commit adultery and like just try and live by that and not understand that there's all this nuance and like all this like gradients below it that that you're not taking into account. So I think that when Jesus is speaking here, therefore it's not, it's, it's to the human condition yeah. uh, on the inside. So he's saying, take notice of what happens when you're observing things that you're attracted to mm. that. So for me, for example, when, when you see a particular form of beauty in a person, you're attracted to it. Yeah. So, you, so for me, the way to not go beyond the line is to acknowledge that I'm attracted. Yeah. Now I know what to do with it. Uh, you know, if I acknowledge it to myself, I acknowledge it to God, then I know there is a line I do not cross. If I ignore the the fact that I'm 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 I feel lack about the fact that I'm attracted. Mm-hmm. then it's going to move closer to the line and perhaps beyond the line. And I always wondered when you were talking about this now, this line came up to me. In the marriage service, there's, there's the, 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 the section on called the consenting. And both, both people are asked before they give the vows uh, about their consenting to this marriage um, ceremony. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a consenting to marry the person whom you have asked to marry and now you're standing in front of the altar or wherever it is you're standing to make a vow or the vow to marriage with that person and it says um, will you take this person to be your wife or husband will you love comfort honor and protect and this is the line that always gets me thinking forsaking all others be faithful now that thing faithful calls us into a into ethical living, into honest living with yourself and yeah. with the people that you you vowing to. And I and, and then I went further one day and I said, forsaking all others does not necessarily mean um, a person. You could be attached to your vehicle in such a way that you disrespect your relationship. Mm. You could be attached to substance abuse to money making, to all those things that would actually be putting pressure on uh, uh, and eradicating the person you claim to love um, into a position where where you're not relating to the person in the honesty of love. So I thought that was a very important something. So here we have words, but what are they? you know, in terms of the gradient, what, what is the, what is the real call of that? It's, oh, can you, if you were to give your vow to this woman now before consenting to it, will you live as a pe- person whose yes is yes, a word can be honored. Hmm. Europe, what do they call it? Uh, your honor, your word is your honor. Can you live by your, by the vow you take? Yeah. Um, now, I have struggled uh, with, with this when, when it comes to people who are married and things break down. When, when there no, seems to be no more evidence that a marriage exists, even though people are married, mm. 
do you still celebrate marriage in that context? Because the, this relationship is bordering on um, possible violence, uh, injury, and, and death. At the same time, of course, marriage produces children. You're the effects of that worsening state of relationship injures the innocent party. So, so whatever unethical behavior we choose leaves consequences of deep injury behind on emotion and other levels of it. So is this uh, saying to us, don't just plainly assume you know what this means. You've got to dig deeper because it starts within your heart. It starts within your mind. It starts with you. Make sure you are seeking to live as a person of integrity, which then points us back to blessed are those. What, what kind of lifestyle, what kind of choices in life are we making in order for our lives to receive the reward of happiness? Um, uh, so it's, it, it's, it's responsible living in mm-hmm. relation to God, to others and to creation and even to yourself mm. you know so i mean i i was i was uh, when somebody was reflecting with me about cheating in a relationship this person said but that person's always that person's always been a cheater well you know that boggled my mind that i didn't i could not <laughs> comprehend that but you know why would we choose to live unethically within ourselves and the consequence of that festers relationship. Yeah. But like when I say I I create a different relationship with my wife, it's 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 something that I bring up to my kids often as well, where I tell them that the love that I have for them and the love that I have for, for Monique are two completely different things. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's it's for me it's important to keep making that distinction for myself to know that while I try and be the same person in every situation that I'm in, uh, to much to my and much to my Nick's frustration, um, I'll be that person at home as well because I just am that person, but. There's, 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 it's like there's another door <laughs> that that I try and open, um, so that there's a little bit more vulnerability um, in that, so that we we can have our relationship can be a space where we can be almost like unapologetically ourselves, and I like uh, it's not perfect at all. The the system is not perfect. Uh, because we we are both conflict averse, um, and so we have like thermonuclear like cold wars happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's part of the package. Yeah, it's like I, I don't know what I did this this week or this weekend. <laughs> this Hus- is oversharing now. Husbands, husbands <laughs> don't normally know what they did wrong. Indeed, indeed, <laughs> indeed, indeed. Yeah, but but like. Uh, uh, going back to the reading, like there's there's a lot of of uh, upon fifth, seventh, twentieth reading of of this, it it gives you that sense that 
he's breaking down the preconceptions. Yeah. The misconceptions um, that have been carried on through generations where you can see because it's it's now becoming like this philosophical war between Jesus and the Pharisees. Because the Pharisees are mm. preaching the law as prescribed and as they mm. have misinterpreted over generations. And it's like that broken telephone thing where it just takes like one person. And this is why why I, I always make a point of exploring like the translations of the Bible. Because if you get one bad translation into a society, like South Africa got the Good News Bible, or at least people of color in South Africa, black people, got the Good mm. News Bible, you don't have access to the best version of the text. You have like the simplif- oversimplified thing. And it, in oversimplification, it gets things wrong. And now you have an entire community that's faith is based on one little mistranslation. And it creates like these cascading problems that get seated through, like, like homosexuality. You know, how could we have gone from polite society in Greek and Rome, in, in Greece and Rome, that shaped kind of Western culture and have rampant homosexuality and 2,000 years later, we'll, you still have people walking around saying that like homosexuality is wrong. You know, like where did we lose? <laughs> where did we lose it, you know? And isn't, I mean, the problem normally surfaces with what's that word called semantics. Um, we fix it as beautiful as words are. And as beautiful as the rhythm of words are, we shouldn't be so fixated on the words as to the message we need to learn as we look deeper into what the meaning of that, of, of, you know, somebody said, and I like that phrase, he says, in scripture, he was talking about scripture, he says, scripture are vehicles that trans, words are vehicles that transport the message. Now, what's, what's important is it the, so, so yes, we do need to understand the words. And this is the, the, the problem you speak about love, uh, the, the different in the way of the different re, re, ways in which we love. Word English doesn't give us that impression as does the Greek uh, words for love, because there's more than one yeah. word. For that love. So by interpreting just into the English language love, you you need to the, the person who reads it must need to understand why that why why love was used there and for what purpose it was used. So that you you don't misunderstand uh, um, you know what what the text is actually trying to produce. Mm-hmm. So my uh, my thing would be, you know, at the end of the day before us, this is uh, something I can embrace. Today I give you a choice between good and evil, between life and death. Those choices always stand before us, not because we literally are going to do something to the other person, but the intentions of our heart, the thoughts of our minds, and the expression of that through words. 
mm-hmm. could actually hurt the other person. Um, you know, sometimes you you feel like you want to say something, but you realize if you say what is on your mind, this could lead somewhere else that is nasty and so forth. So while words are important, we need to know their meanings. When they put together, they have a message to 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 transport. But even looking at the word you used the phrase earlier on. It's the fifth word in the in the synonyms. Yeah. So that's also important, you know. And um, and you do you you are right. We do a disservice to people when we think their intellect only comes to second language level. Therefore, a good news translation is produced in such yeah. a way. Yeah. That, whereas the in the same church. Whilst everybody in the Cape Flats was introduced to the Good News Bible, um, in the same church on the main road out of which we were cast during apartheid times, they were reading the the New English Bible, they were reading uh, the Revised Standard Version, Hmm. reading the New International Version. And, you know, even that causes discrepancy that one community in this one part of the community in the same body uh, is denigrated to second level, whereas because we are our English first language, we read this, you know, that kind of yeah. thing could be, could be uh, a, a problematic. So right now, I, I received, I don't know if you know about this, but it's very interesting that I received a clip um, about should a translation into the modern English uh, reflect on the gender of God as produced in the original languages of the Bible and the translations that followed that? So somebody wrote to me and said, "Ah, they're going to be changing the Bible again. So they're not really changing the Bible, but is is our culture at the moment and the language of the culture currently of such that when we read the old texts, you know, Jesus did say to us um, what I thought was a beautiful phrase. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times. Yeah. Now, 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 now we are we reading our cultural language into the text because that's another danger of what we do do. They call it. I said, Jesus, mm. you have a thought. Now you're reading it into the text. Yeah. And we read the original text. That's not actually what the meaning is. Indeed. <laughs> so, so, so people do have a stress. I mean, you know, as you well know, how people would say, "Yeah, but the other day you said." Yeah. And now you're saying something different to what seemed to have been part of the yeah. same conversation. But for me, the question would be, you can't just read isolated words mm. and phrases. You've got to look at the whole thing uh, to, under, to try to, to say, say, what, was the, what is the central message of what you've just said or what you've mm. just said, uh, rather than try to isolate certain themes you think? Uh, because sometimes we, we read a, pas- a, a passage and then we... We, we, we say, ah, it's speaking to, the, to my passion, my themes of passion, my passion. Yeah. And now we, you know, forget what is actually in the text itself. 
Speaking uh, my love language. <laughs> yes. And I mean, look, look, look at the confusion that was sown in the Corinthians passage, where people of the same community was interpreting things so much so that they were divi- divided with, from one another. There was tensions in the group. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, your favorite author, St. Paul, interpreted that behavior as being that of belonging to the world and you're not looking at it yeah. from a Christian perspective. So how often are we, are we interpreting things and from what perspective do we interpret them? Again, like that, that is an important point because in here it's like, so like Apollos is the seed. Wait, what's it? Uh, no, Paul plants the seed and then Apollos is the water. Waters. But God makes yeah. it grow. And then you're like, okay, fine, dude. <laughs> like today, 2023, we have enough scientific understanding to like make our crops super efficient. So like we've removed the mystery of God from that equation. But in this time with this level of understanding where it's still a mystery um, about like at at this stage, uh, I forget the exact year that this is kind of attributed to, but at that stage, like agrarian culture, agricultural culture, Agriculture was very simplistic. Like people really didn't know why vines would grow on certain hills and not on others, you know. But now we understand that. So it it, I, it goes back to to a point I made years ago, where it's like the more we understand about the world, the fewer places God has to hide, <laughs> you know. Um, and 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 like. In today's like cultural setting, like that kind of analogy just doesn't make sense. It doesn't carry the same weight because someone like me with the belief system that I have can just dive straight into that and be like, this is completely ridiculous. So could could I throw, I'm not sure if it's a curveball for you, but I'm going to throw it in anyway in response um, Professor Collins wrote there for this book. He says, "Science is the language of God." <laughs> <laughs> I've encountered that one before. I, I yeah. have encountered that one before. So, in other words, as you speak, I'm thinking how magnificent we have been made because our 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 curiosity, our um. I want to dig deep. Um, I want to develop. I need to develop. Are those all just instinctively created within us? Are we born in that way? And that when we grow up, no matter how we are shaped and formed, there is something within us that you know, un- unfortunately, some are suppressed and others are allowed to grow where you make the deeper discoveries if you're allowed on that journey of discovery. Um, so whilst you may have said so logically from this point to that point, I now understand. But by coming to this point, I don't fully understand. So now I need to go and dig a little deeper to try and mm-hmm. understand. A little deeper. So 
So, so I, I, I'm bought on the idea that science is the language of God. Um, I have a slightly more controversial view on like the whole curiosity <laughs> thing. Uh, so our curiosity is a symptom of our laziness. Wow. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's like common human characteristics, um, um, narcissism and laziness. Um, because that's how you you that's how you secure your future. Uh, you make things easier for yourself, um, and you acquire all of the like. You look at children. Like children are super. Uh, what the, the word went out of my head now? Um, they selfish. Children are selfish. They selfish with time. They jealous. Um, they because the only way they can they hard coded the only way they can survive is if they get premium resources and they always fighting for premium resources be it the attention of their parents be it um, food be it anything like a baby cries when it's hungry to make its mother feed it like that's 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 the basic biology of humans and we carry this into into our entire lives so you want to uh, uh, this is absolute status status but um men will want to acquire things or like build their physique so that they can attract a good mate that they can have children and they can secure their legacy for the future you know we are hard-coded to do these things and can i say Okay, yep. can I throw can I throw in something quickly? Going back to what you said, this basic human um, uh, um, need between the baby's cry yeah. for the mother's attention to feed, but there's also the alternate. Sometimes the baby doesn't cry, but the mother's natural responses because of the overflow mm. in the breasts needs to feed. Yeah. So both go together. Yeah. Um, that makes life reciprocal, um, sponsoral. We're living, as it were, to share with each other. That's mm. the basic core for human life. Um, but we don't get there because of jealousy, self-centeredness and all that kind of stuff. But if we really put it all together, then it should get to the point that we are made for each other. I am who I am because of you, who you are. Mm. And as our diet says, and because who God God is to to us, so 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 what what therefore when we go into the scripture that we are currently reading, where relationships are broken up and sides are are, are, are taken, where uh, the the interpretation of relationships end up in murder, not necessarily literal murder, but murder in the heart, murder in the mind. Of people, and yet Jesus says, out of all of this, you you know, that which will really help us get forward is to to the place of reconciliation. Take responsibility to cure your relationships, mm. and 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 you do so by living a life of integrity from the inside, a life of of, of that is ethical in relation to. To, to 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 the kingdom of God, and because before us does stand these choices almost all the time. 
is it life or death? It is is it good or evil? Um, and 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 why do we choose either? You know, we, whichever one we choose, and we could go through a day's living where we've chosen life in some circumstances, and maybe because of our selfishness, we've chosen life in order for our survival. Um, but now other, other choices where we think we have a little bit more power over whatever we choose death or or evil. Um, so that that you know, how do you get to the point where you, when you choose, it's with integrity that you've made that choice? I think it's that idea of discernment that you always bring. Yeah. Yeah. And and it, it's just like it's like being honest with yourself, being conscious and cognizant of your own failures, of your own biases, um, and then making decisions according to that, like removing yourself, like taking it a step back and like being like this, this is how I kind of try and navigate life is I'll always make the decision that will be best for the most amount of people. Mm. Obviously, because I have a family, <laughs> like yeah. I have to, I have to look at their preservation and their comfort levels and their lifestyles and yeah. all of those things, and make sacrifices accordingly. But it, 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 it's always what's it the the Aristotle's golden mean? Um, yeah, the most amount of good for the most amount of people. Yeah. Yes, and then there's a phrase in I'm not I'm not sure if it's in in the it's in our in our in the prayer book somewhere, and I think somewhere in the scriptures influence that, it, 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 the choice must be for the common good. Mm. You know, and, and I just like, like those words because it means thinking outside of the box, thinking outside of yourself, yeah. you know. Um, and, and, but, 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 but many of us are afraid to do that. Uh, because the the impact of that would would would, would raise the level of our participation, mm. would raise the level mm. of of our collaboration, and yet the benefit of that is when we do that, we grow. Yeah, you know, the, 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 we grow as persons. We grow in our thinking. We grow in our in our uh, in our heart. We 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 discover things of ourselves that would have been smothered had we not uh, mm. for the common good of all. But it's a journey itself. That is why we need the voice of Jesus. We need each other's voices. But uh, it's, it's also important to like understand the, the, the intertextual relationship between yeah. like the Deuteronomy passage, yeah. even the Paul passage and the, the, the gospel, where Deuteronomy, like this is, uh, and this is something that, that that I always I always circle around is the Ten Commandments were created in a context where Moses had to organize a group of people who were traveling across the wilderness, people in the Exodus, you know, led them out of thingy. Yes, now organize the society. So you need hard and fast rules to bring everybody into line on a mass scale. So this is just social control this is just this is culture setting in like a school for instance this is why you have assemblies this is why you have bells 
um, so that there are signals that everybody responds to. And then there's a culture of like the uniform and a code of conduct and all those things. So these are like the hard and fast rules that we need to survive this trek to. We don't know where yet. <laughs> right? Now, the Paul passage, he's speaking to the community in the diaspora. So yeah. they've now been galvanized, or at least they've been led out of like captivity, cast off like all the things, and now been broken by various conquerors and like these pockets of these people who speak a common language um, throughout the Middle East. And he's now looking at the cultural differences because as it's like it's like Johannesburg. <laughs> Most people who live and work in Johannesburg aren't from Johannesburg, they're from somewhere else. Um, but there's a lot of like cultural exchange. Um, so you'll have like little communities where people are living closer to each other, kind of doing the same things. And But then they, they become, the, uh, at those intersections, there's also a lot of conflict. So now he's speaking to those conflict points. And like some people are siding with the polis and some people are saying that the Paul thing is, and it's that tribalism that he's not trying to break down. Jesus is speaking to a continental audience. So it's like Syrians, Hebrews, like people all from the same area, but like have fundamentally different belief systems. And he's like, how do we stop? Because Jerusalem is becoming this cultural melting pot, because it's becoming like the Johannesburg of the, of the time, you know? like of that region mm. because we're having all of these merchants and things and cross-trading and cultural like exchange what is the common denominator to keep this society functioning and it's like just be good with each other you know mm. respect each other on a human level like mm. like submit to a higher power everybody collectively and then once everyone's on that same kind of footing, once you've reached that common denominator by submitting to a higher power, now you can interact with each other as equals. Um, and let's abolish all of like the, the, the hierarchy within like the faith system. Um, like the lawmakers are acting selfishly. Uh, they are just exploiting the people. They're exploiting the chaos. Um, they want... Hebrews to be against Samaritans because it's beneficial to them because they're creating that us and them dichotomy um, galvanizes the their power over their specific tribe, you know, um, where Jesus is like, yo, invite everybody to the table and let's share and together we can all grow. That's a it's a it's an important point that often gets lost because when people are reading the text, when you're preaching to the text, you you you're looking for like that God message. So like the actual contextualization isn't there. Yeah, what, what is interesting though, in terms of the point of your inter intertextual relationships, in terms of this um, liturgical uh, week. Mm. Uh, uh, into the frame the liturgists say therefore based on that which you have spoken about in terms of 
God in the community in the Deuteronomy context, mm. God in relation to the community in the Pauline story, God in relation to the community in the um, in the in the Sermon on the Mount. Two almost two newer or reef, yeah, two newer beatitudes come up in mm. all of that from Psalm 119. Mm. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, based on what he said. And the influence there of a walk in the law of the Lord, blessed are those who keep his commands and seek him with your whole heart. So he's offering that as the way in order to do just as the way that you now unfolded in relation to the call for, for the common good, in relation to how you ought to be living with each other. Yeah. Um, Blessedness yeah. is there, happiness will exude, um, but for the benefit of everybody. Mm. Uh, happiness cannot be exclusive. Yeah. It's an inclusive reality. Mm. And I think that's a good place to end this. Like, I, I really wanted to, to stress with, with the gospel discussion that, like, I, I, I enjoy this character of Jesus, where it's, it's like a really radical idea that challenges like centuries of of misconception. Um, and yeah. it was born out of the situation um, that that Moses found himself in and and how to yeah. cast off those mental shackles um, through mm. this kind of Sermon on the Mount um, what can we call it? A constitution? No, it's not a constitution. <laughs> um, yeah, obviously in the in the in the in the place where South Africa is right now, which is the context that I, I speak into, um, we've we now again looking at the constitutional powers that have been granted, like to the president and to the leadership of the country, where they can call a state of disaster and not a state of emergency, because emergency needs uh, parliamentary approval. Disaster is just the the National Executive Committee, um, and yeah, it's 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 a it's a it's a exciting time to be alive, where we can look at like the founding documents of this country and measure the executive's actions against it. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for your input as always, uh, Father Rodney. Uh, I, I, I like this a lot. Um, I like these discussions that we have. And yeah, have a great, great week. <laughs> thank you very much, Lindsay, and greetings to your family. And thank you all for listening. We, we'd appreciate your feedback. That's always important to us.